Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. How do we let the peace of God rule? We do it by number one, trusting the Lord. You know, so much of our anxiety, so much of our worry, so much of of the strife and even the tension that sometimes develops among believers is due to the fact that people aren't trusting God. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Colossians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17 in a message titled, Life in the Community of God. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So, we are here back in our teaching series through Paul's letter to the Colossians, and we're picking up, as you can see, in the third chapter once again. We're going to be looking specifically at verses 15 through 17. But to begin, I want you to imagine something with me. Imagine a town where all the people were just like those described in verses 5, 8, and 9. Sexually immoral, filled with evil desire, greedy, angry, raging, looking to harm others, slanderers. Everything coming out of their mouth was only degrading and obscene, and they were all liars. A few miles up the road, there is another town, and the people there are much different. They are compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, patient, and forgiving. Now, here's the question. Which town would you want to live in? Now, some might say, who wants to live with all those goody-goodies? That just sounds so dull and boring. Well, maybe initially, but given enough time when the realities of a sin-saturated life begin to take their toll, the town up the road is going to look more and more attractive. Now, here's the point. The church is the town up the road. That is what the church is to be. You see, the church is God's alternative to man's world. And man's world is filled with all the things that we mentioned initially. But God's world, God's kingdom, God's community is a community where kindness and compassion and mercy and humility and gentleness, all of those things are the atmosphere of God's community. And that's what the church is. The church is basically a city of God set up in the midst of a dark, dark world. So the church is to be a place where we can get a taste of the life of the kingdom of Christ here on earth. 
And so in the verses that we're going to focus on, verses 15 through 17, let me read them again. And then I want to point out five things that we see in these verses. So Colossians chapter three, beginning in verse 15, it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so I want us to think today about the church as a community. The church is the community of God. And there are five things that we see in these verses concerning the church as a community. Number one, the church is a community of peace. Secondly, a community of thankfulness. Thirdly, a community of truth. Fourth, a community of joyful instruction. And then finally, a community free from self-interest and focused on Christ alone. So let's look at each of those. And once again, Paul says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body. Now, notice that this peace is to permeate the whole body. Now, it's interesting here because the passage here is really speaking more to the Christian community collectively. Now, he's talking about the body and he's talking about the peace of God ruling in the body or to use our term, the peace of God ruling over the community, ruling over the people of God. So the peace of God is to permeate the whole body. There should be that atmosphere of peace when people come among us. You see, the church is no place for strife, division, worry, anxiety. These are the things that mark the world. But in the church, there is to be an atmosphere of peace. So it starts with us. Let the peace of God rule. How do we let the peace of God rule? Well, we do it a couple of ways. We do it by number one, trusting the Lord. You know, so much of our anxiety, so much of our worry, so much of of the strife and even the tension that sometimes develops among believers is due to the fact that people aren't trusting God. So I have got to trust the Lord. I've got to trust the Lord with my circumstances. I've got to trust the Lord with the things going on around me in the world. I've got to trust the Lord with things that are completely out of my control, but believe that they are not out of his control. And when I trust the Lord, then I am at peace. I'm not agitated. I'm not irritable. And I'm not creating strife or tension among others. 
Why? Because I'm resting, because I'm trusting the Lord. So trusting the Lord, meditating on his plan and his promise. That's how I learned to practically trust the Lord. I meditate on his word and his plan. And I see that God has a plan. He has a a plan for the whole cosmos, but he also has a plan for my life and for the life of my family and my loved ones. And I, so I look at that and I think about that. And along with meditating on his plan, I meditate on his promises, that he has made promises to those who trust him. And so I meditate on those promises and I take them to heart. Let the peace of God rule in our hearts personally so that it can also flow out into the community. So we are a community of peace. Secondly, we are a community of thankfulness. So notice again in verse 15, letting the peace of God rule in your heart to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Oh, be thankful. Wow, what what a simple thing on the one hand, but it's amazing how much goodness flows from a thankful heart. You know, when, it, when a person is thankful, everything, it, it just sets the tone for everything else in life. And conversely, when a person is unthankful, it sets the tone for everything in life as well. Now, I was thinking about those. What, what is the opposite of thankfulness? Somebody might say, well, of course it's unthankfulness. Well, that's true, but I think there's a better way to understand it. I think a good opposite of thankfulness is entitlement. Entitlement. The entitled person is always slightly irritated under the surface because they feel they are not getting what they really deserve. So you see, they're, they're not thankful for what they've got. They're not thankful for their state, their lot, their portion in life. There's this entitlement that says to them, I deserve something better. And because that's there under the surface, it affects their attitude. So it might be that there was a position that they thought they deserved or maybe some sort of recognition that they didn't get or, or maybe some kind of applause. See, deep down, the entitled person is really a prideful person. They feel like they deserve a lot better than they actually have. So what is the cure for this kind of entitlement that that shows itself in a lack of thankfulness? The cure is realizing the goodness and mercy of God toward us. The cure is to really realize that you know, I'm actually blessed beyond what I deserve. That those things that I think I'm entitled to, that is really delusional on my part. And so rather than being upset, annoyed, irritable, because I haven't received the accolades or whatever that I think I should, instead, I begin to say, Lord, I cannot believe how good you are to me. And man, when you have a community of thankful people, that's the kind of place where people want to hang out. That's the kind of place where people want to, they want to be there. 
because there's something beautiful about that. And that is who we are to be. People who peace is, governs our hearts, thankfulness flows from us. And then he goes on, Paul, and he says this, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Or some translations read, let the word of Christ dwell among you. And again, this gives us a little bit of a hint that Paul is, of course, including people individually, but he's talking to people collectively as a community, letting the word of Christ dwell among us. Now, remember this, when Colossians was written, the people that received this letter from Paul, they didn't have a Bible like we do. But what they had, they made the best of. And Paul urged them with what they had to dig deeply into it. And the idea here is is the word of Christ overflowing from you. And so as the word of Christ dwells in us, we become people who are not just parroting God's word, but people who are being so shaped by God's word that when we speak it, it brings life, it brings blessing, it has power. Now, do you understand the distinction that I'm making there? Some people are merely parroting God's word. They've got a good brain, they're able to memorize large portions of scripture, and they've committed scripture to memory, and so they will come and they'll just rapid fire a number of of passages off and say, that's what the Bible says about this particular thing. But in a situation like that, what you find missing is life. What you find missing is this transforming power. But you see, when a person comes who knows the word, not just has it stored in the information bank, not just like a hard drive in your head, But when it's in your heart and when it's framing you as a person and you begin to speak it, oh my goodness, the the power of it is profound and significant. So as God's word is spoken and proclaimed among us, it's that word that ultimately imparts life and promises mercy and brings transformation. And so let the word of Christ dwell in you And that takes us to our fourth point. The church is a community of joyful instruction. Joyful instruction. Look at what it says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and counseling. The word admonishing could be translated counseling. One another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? Minister to one another in Psalms. We know what the Psalms are, right? We have 150 of them in our Bible. And that would be the reference when Paul refers to Psalms. He's referring to those Psalms. But then he also adds hymns. And so there were hymns that were written in the early days of the church that were basically the story of the gospel. And then there were spiritual songs much like we've experienced in our midst over the years where God just gives someone a song and that song becomes 
through its melody and through its lyrical content, it becomes a means of blessing. And share these things with one another. This is one of the ways that we instruct one another. And you know, that's something for us to think about for a moment, isn't it? Because I think it's easy sometimes to, you know, we have a singing portion of our services. It's part of our tradition. It's part of our liturgy, if you will, that we have a time set aside where we sing songs. But this is not just a passing of the time. This is not just a few minutes to to get warmed up so we can hear the teaching from the scripture. It should certainly lend itself to more of an open heart as we open God's word. But the songs themselves are intended to minister to us. The songs themselves are intended to bless us. And, And I can think of many times in my own life where coming into church and maybe being concerned, maybe being overwhelmed, and then the team leads in a song and you think, oh Lord, that song is like, it's like a waterfall being poured out, a refreshing, just a wave of water coming upon me to refresh and renew me. And then finally, the final point here is that the church is a community free from self-interest and focused on Christ alone. That's what Paul is talking about when he says, and whatever you do, verse 17, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, this is, this is where trouble comes into life. <laughs> this is where trouble comes into relationships. This is where trouble comes into the church. When people begin to operate out of self-interest, trouble begins. And unless that course is turned away from, things are only going to go from bad to worse. But you see, we're never to serve out of self-interest. We are not here to glorify ourselves. We are not here to build a platform for ourselves. We're not here to make a name for ourselves. We are here to lift up one name, and that's the name of Jesus. And you see, if I come at my life as a Christian with that as my attitude, if I come at my gathering together with the people of God in worship and in service with that as my attitude, it's going to make all the difference in the world. Because you know what? If the spotlight is on somebody else, it doesn't matter to me because I'm not here to be under the spotlight in the first place. If I do something, but I don't get a pat on the back for it, it's okay because I didn't do it to get a pat on the back. I did it for Jesus. And, and you know, these are small things seemingly, but they can turn into huge issues that create massive problems and cause all kinds of trouble in the community of God. So we are to avoid those things and we can do that by truly serving Christ alone and not ourselves. And you see, when that's the motive, so many things get done. So many more things get done. I don't have to wait to make sure that somebody's gonna see me do it. I can just do it and know that it's, it needed to be done. I'm gonna get it done. Nobody ever even has to know that I did it, but the Lord knows I did it because I am doing everything 
in the name of Jesus Christ and for his glory. And I am trusting that one day, the Lord who sees in secret, he will reward me openly. I don't need to be living for the praise of man today. So a community free from self-interest and focused on Christ alone. And so remember that the church is that place that God has designated to be a picture of heaven on earth, really. That's what it is. It is, as Eugene Peterson said, it is a colony of heaven in a country of death. I love that picture because it's so true. Man, we live in a country of death. All that surrounds us is, is death and it's dead and it's, and it's dying and it's being scorched. You know, we're, we're living right now in the midst of a, a scorched earth policy almost for everyone. You know, people want to burn the thing down. They want to burn it all down. And then people over here want to war against that. And it, it, that, that's the country of death that we're surrounded by. But the church is a colony of heaven. See, the church is to be a place that's just, man, it's different. It's different. When I go among those Christians, they're just different. There's peace there. And boy, I don't know, everybody, everybody's, everybody seems to be so thankful. And, you know, they're, they're filled with uh, like these truths. They just know like things that are right. And, and there's, there's so much wisdom in the things that they speak. And, you know, they talk about the Bible and the Bible is, wow, I, I didn't know that the Bible was like it really is. And, and you know, they're, they're joyful. And, and there's nobody that's really out for themselves. Oh, that's a colony of heaven right there in, in a land of death, in a country of death. And that's who we are as the people of God. So the church, Jesus put it like this, the church is a city set up on a hill that cannot be hidden because of the bright light. And so Jesus would say in that connection there in Matthew chapter five, he would say, let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, they will glorify your father in heaven. And I'm saying to you and to me that as we live this out as the community of God, as we live out the peace of God, the thankfulness, the truth, the, the joy and the desire to honor and exalt Christ, it's gonna change everything. And that's what the world needs. The world needs to see an alternative, a beautiful alternative to what it is experiencing. And, and I think right now, these are obviously critical times. They're strategic times. And as the church, we, we need to just get our eyes off of so many different things and remember that this is a time for the church to be the church, to be this different thing so that people in the world, from whatever side they're on, but they're just completely burned out and overwhelmed and wondering, is there any alternative that they see it there in that community of people, the community of the people of God.
For the month of April, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, What God Has to Say About Our Bodies, How the Gospel is Good News for Our Physical Selves by Sam Albury. The culture is obsessed with the physical body, whether it's the sexualization of a particular body type, gender dysphoria, what we do with our own body, or even body art, such as tattoos or piercings, our culture links the body with identity, which is how exactly is our body related to our personal identity. When it comes to identity, some may discount the physical body altogether or place too much emphasis upon it. But the body is neither everything, nor is it nothing. The body is an important part of who we are, because we are more than just a soul. If you want to know more about the link between the body, personal identity, and what the Bible says, or if you know someone struggling with identity or body image, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order What God Has to Say About Our Bodies, How the Gospel is Good News for Our Physical Selves by Sam Albury. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Colossians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.